The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQers, TV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you see the face that's made for radio. Head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, and there's two videos at the top of the screen there. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that and you want to catch that, you can watch that up until 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com, at which time he'll go live in that little area right there. Okay, uh, So if you're looking for Bradley at 3, that's where you'll find him. At um, And on, on the right side of the page is where we're at. Now, it's going to look a little different. Again, I don't know why. One browser will populate it. The other one won't. It's just on the same location. <laughs> Can't get it to do that. I don't know why. Anyway, you go over there. There's a play button. Click on that. Blow it up on whatever device you've got. And then look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Join us in the chat on Rumble. We'd love to see you over there. We are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. That's the channel. Please subscribe over there. Also, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty number of Facebook pages that bear my name, uh, Twitter for whatever that's worth, the real Tim Brow, leave off the end off the end of my name and add a two there, the real Tim Brow two. And then on twitch.tv, uh, go to real Tim Brown. Don't have, don't have to put the D in there. Real Tim Brown for whatever Twitch is worth for me. Uh, that's a big gamer platform. So is D live, but I know a lot of people, uh, will go over there and, uh, and they'll stream because they're getting kicked off other platforms. So Twitch kicked me off. Um, and I went back over there just to see if we could get back on and no problems so far. So we'll, we'll see how that holds up. Anyway, uh, right up on where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. One of those goes out once a night 
between seven and eight Eastern time. And, um, you get one of those a night every, every day of the week. And then if you want our ministry email, you want to know what the Sons of Liberty are doing, go over to sonsoflibertyradio.com. You can sign up for that right on the front page. Those go out once a week on Saturday, exclusive content on there to let you know what we're doing. Okay. Uh, and for those of you who support us, let you know what you're supporting besides the radio or the, or the webpage. Okay. Uh, also, Finally, if you want to keep us out there and you agree with the message that we have, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And we really do appreciate you guys um, keeping us out there and doing what we're doing. Uh, you know, yesterday when we had Lynn on, Rock the Core Wednesday, if you missed that, that that's that's going to... That may play some bit into our guest that we're going to have on tomorrow, Lord willing, because the guest we're going to have on tomorrow... Our, for those of you who know our friend Alex Newman, Alex Newman said he's probably the smartest guy on the earth. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's the case or not, but if for Alex to say that uh, says a lot about a person. Okay, and uh, I watched an interview with this guy with with Alex. It's very important information. What's going on in the United Nations, and uh, so he's going to be on tomorrow. I'll leave it as a surprise for you. If you can find that interview and you want to get a head start on some things. Knock yourself out with it. But uh, uh, hopefully we're going to have that tomorrow. But yesterday we were talking with Lynn. Uh, we were giving away the the BS and Horse Hockey Awards, as she called them, uh, with traitors and child abusers and pushing the UN agenda and such. I read to you a, a little blurb here from my friend David Rizzolata, and uh, I'm going to read it just to start off here this morning. And uh, <clears throat> this was a Facebook po post he did. Um, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was yesterday or if it was Sunday. I'll let him clarify that. This is the post. And here's what he wrote. America is supposed to be a nation of principles, free men putting the ideals of liberty ahead of all else, whose fundamental philosophy of government is that we have the power to hold corrupt government accountable. I'm not sure when or how we got off of that track. It probably happened when we acquiesced to the idea of having to vote for the lesser of two evils. That's exactly when it happened. Whatever that was, we now accept one person's unconstitutional actions because they're not as bad as the other person's unconstitutional ambitions. If you don't know what that means, it's when you point out that the guy who has your political jersey on is violating the Constitution and the person goes, well, if the, well, if the Democrats can do it, we can do it. That's that mentality. That's what he's talking about. Let's not pretend that had Hillary Clinton or Obama pushed for a bump stock ban, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been opposed full tilt by conservatives. Instead, under Donald Trump, it was kind of like a yawn. Oh, we don't need those anyway. They're a waste of ammunition. You can't aim with all the excuses that came with. The lesser of two evils is easily explainable through the fear then relief principle of persuasion. Research consistently shows that if you place an individual in a state of fear, then suddenly remove that stimulus, replacing it with a compliance request people generally go along. The problem is that people don't know this. People are blissfully unaware of the decades of research that have gone into getting the public to accept something they would have previously opposed. Look, I get it. Taking everything at face value, Trump is obviously better than Biden. He is definitely the lesser of two evils in that respect. What people don't get, however, is what they learn about the voting public when the lesser of two evils is our driving motivation. I recently cited a political science journal where they described a study that involved Trump. The objective was to figure out how to shift Republican attitudes towards a welfare reform proposal. One week, Trump opposed this policy. Then later, he supported it. Guess what? By the virtue of him simply supporting it, they got conservatives to support it also. Do you think they didn't have this info in mind when they filmed Trump in the White House telling Republican senators senators? They're sinners, too. <laughs> they were too afraid of the NRA while pushing red flag laws. Of course they did. This is the nature of the new propaganda, persuasion based on what is known about human psychology. In other words, when conservatives accept a $2.7 trillion spending bill or a gun control proposal from a conservative president, the social engineers take note, like an after-action briefing, to see what it was about the messaging that was effective. It's called... Marketing is, I mean, that's what we refer to it as. Then they put this in, info into the lessons learned box. They now know, for example, that conservative Americans will accept incremental infringements against the Second Amendment, 
providing the illusion of a bigger threat had been had been defeated. Fear then relief. When America accepts this, instead of the propaganda meant to shape and control our perceptions, we may have a shot of restoring our liberty and living in a principled nation. David Rizzolata, and uh, it's my privilege to welcome to the Sons of Liberty once again, our friend David Rizzolata. Good morning, man. Good to see you. Hey, how are you, Tim? I'm I'm doing great. And now I got to tell you, David, when I read this, I immediately messaged you. I said, this is a show right here because this is, I think this is what Bradley and I have been trying to get at by trying to point people to what's get, what gets said, what gets done. But, but I think you made it even, uh, the picture even more clear by talking about they set up something that's like this Goliath that's going to crush us. And then they bring in their David as though he, their fake David, as though he's going to save us because he's not as bad as the other guy. And so we think that is somehow better for us or good when he's still an infringer uh, upon our liberties and upon the law that he swore to uphold. Am I missing something there? Is that the intent of what you're saying here? That's that pretty much sums it up. So I, you know, I've been studying this stuff for like the past three years. And, you know, Tim, I cite everything that I write, you know, every article that I send to you or publish on my blog or whatever is cited. And a couple of things, you know, I want to read this to you right here. This is from um, a science journal called Propaganda Studies in American Social Science, The Rise and Fall of the Critical Paradigm. Okay. So this article basically says this, a new methodology aside from anal analyzing propaganda was developing between the 20s and 30s to better control social influences. Social scientists saw communications research and more specifically, the methods of persuasion as a more effective way to pinpoint exactly which parts of a message were producing changes in attitudes. This is the time when persuasion took on the aura of a truly scientific endeavor because it possessed a greater methodological sophistication while proving to have useful applications for policymakers. So as early as the 1920s, that was, that was my writing citing that journal. So as early as the 1920s, they were already studying how and what part of a media message was influencing people's behaviors or influencing their attitudes. So think about all that time that has gone by when, you know, we have this massive media complex. All it does all day long is just send messages all the way. And what people don't understand, uh, some people may, but like, let's take COVID-19, for example. Um, there, there were groups infiltrating um, social media posts, Facebook groups, and all this and all that, gauging people's attitudes towards the recommended interventions, right? The mask wearing, the, the, the shot, and all this and all that. And while they were studying this, they were tweaking their message to find out what people responded to. And all of this is based on, you know, human psychology that they've known about for the past hundred years. You know, and that's what the fear then relief principle really is. And I'm going to read this to you here as well. This is from uh, my great big book here called The Dynamics of Persuasion. Okay, look at how thick this book is. Okay. Um, so the fear then relief technique, this is what they say about it. This is somewhat different from other techniques of persuasion and that the persuader deliberately places the recipient in a state of fear. Suddenly and abruptly, the persuader eliminates the threat, replaces fear with kind words, and asks the recipient to comply with a request. The ensuing relief pushes the persuadee to acquiesce. And that's what they know. And they've known about this for Decades, and I'm going to give you an example of that, if I may. Yes, so, please, please. There's a book called The Rape of the Mind, written by a psychologist named Juice Mirlo, who had the opportunity to study the effects of um, the torture that people endured in the Nazi prison camps, right? 
And, and he says this. He says, research, research has continuously, continuously shown that people are more compliant when in a state of relief. According to Mirly, this is on page 31 of his book, Rape of the Mind, conditioned responses to fed stimuli may be accelerated when associated with this state of release. relief. In other words, people who are experiencing a great deal of stress or anxiety are much more likely to go along with tyranny if it relieves them of this discomfort. And, and this was way back in the 1940s that they knew this. We're studying this already. You know, they, they, they learned all this by studying people that were being tortured in prison camps, right? So, you know, so then when you consider the fact that when Obama was president, what did, what did they do when Obama was president? What was the Smith Want Act? Wasn't there a piece of that? that yeah, to take it, yeah, to take away so that they could, quote unquote, legally <laughs> propagandize the people. That was the whole idea behind uh, the repudiation of that. Right. And, that, yeah. and that's exactly what they're doing. They're using what they have learned over the past hundred years about persuasion and the psychology of the human being. And all of that. And, and interestingly, Tim, you know, everybody's familiar with the War of the Worlds radio show way back in the 19, what was it, 1930s, 1920s or whatever? Yeah, right. So everybody knows that many people responded to that as if it was a real broadcast, right? People were outside shooting their water towers because they thought they were UFOs and blah, blah, blah. Well, what people don't know and this is where, like, Operation Mockingbird might come into play here, right? Because what people don't know is that there was a huge study that took place after that radio show. And in the book, Invasion from Mars, the study of the psychology of panic, describes people's reactions and studies people's reactions to this. And the, the number one conclusion that they came to is that it was people's trust in media in the you know so there were people in the play playing media broadcasters right so it was people's trust in the media broadcasters that led to the reactions that they had right and so Hadley Cantrell who wrote the book said that this provides us um, the framework for future studies of media communications and how people respond to them you know so you're watching you're watching a message on the news you're watching the news you think they're they're reporting something to you what they have done is they have taken a message they have 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 framed it in a way for specific audiences so they can shift and and change your opinions on things that is what they are doing they are not reporting the news to you they are trying to get you to to have an opinion that's useful to them and 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 they understand what part of the message affects you, and they understand how to tweak that message to get you to go along with something. You know, this isn't this is an essence, in essence, a marketing strategy by them to get what they want through, even though they know it's lawless. And yeah. even this is the sad thing, uh, David. We find people who are well read. We find people who are highly educated, and and when I say highly educated, I mean. Let me, let me put it this way. Some of them are good thinkers, but when I say educate, I mean really indoctrinated. They've been through all the, you know, the Ivy League schools or the the big schools, and they've got, you know, great 4.0 GPAs and all this kind of stuff, and they're maybe even good businessmen and stuff. And I've often heard that the easiest people to deceive are some of the smartest people that you hear. I've heard that. I, I actually... Yeah, that's true, Tim. And 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 this 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 science, these journals that I'm reading to you, yeah, it's as they say that. Okay, so one of the models of persuasion that they've come up with is called the elaboration likelihood model. Okay, and so when you listen to that name, and, and by the way, this model is mentioned a lot in media books, in media research books. Okay, but. When you listen to the name elaboration likelihood, so they have people broken down into different categories into what the likelihood is that they're going to elaborate deeply on the message that they're receiving, right? Okay, so, and this is based on, on cognitive theory, stimulus response theory, but basically what they say is this, and I'm, I'm going to cite Cass Sunstein real quick, 
Um, Cass Sunstein was Obama's regulatory czar. He wrote a book called Nudge, which is about, you know, pushing people's behavior in certain directions. You know, and he says in that book, he says that people are not the deep thinkers that we we think we are. And so this elaboration likelihood model of persuasion, people in the high elaboration likelihood category, according to these people, are actually easier to manipulate because if, if you can frame the message to them in a way that fits their worldview, fits their morals, their attitude change towards that message, if, if attitude change is achieved, is likely to be more long-lasting because they pride themselves on the idea that, that, that they thought deeply about the message itself. Does that make sense? I mean, this is yeah. written in the description of the elaboration likelihood model. Well, let me yeah. ask, let me, let me throw it out like in a, in a biblical kind of concept. Um, the Pharisees were very much like that. They were, they were the lawyers of the day. They were the, the leaders and stuff, but they were the ones who had been to all the schools. They had read all the, you know, they'd read the scriptures and then they'd read all of their, their masters who came before them and they would cite the rabbis and this, that, and the other. And the Bible says that when Jesus came along, it's not that he wasn't aware of those things. He was very much aware of them, but he spoke as one who had authority, not like the scribes and, and, and the other guys. So it's, it's interesting how that comes about. And then even Jesus's disciples, they, they perceived that they, that they had been with Jesus in the way that they spoke about the things that they spoke. But the Pharisees were deceived and they were deceiving others. And what's interesting, we did when we were planning a church room in North Carolina years ago, one of the things we did when we went through the gospel of Matthew was we came to the conclusion the Pharisees knew exactly who Jesus was. It wasn't that they were deceived about who he was. They knew exactly who he was, um, especially when he talks about the vineyard. He gives that parable of the vineyard and the, the, the master sending all of his servants and they beating them and flogging them and kicking them out of the vineyard. And he says, I'll send my son. Surely they'll respect my son. And they kill the heir. And they say, we're going to take the vineyard for ourselves." And Jesus asked, he says, what will, what will the master do to those wicked servants? And they, you know, the Bible says that they perceived he was talking about them. So they were the very learned of the day. And yet they were some of the most deceived. And yet they saw so clearly who Jesus was. He was their maker and they didn't want to give an account to him. So I, I see exactly what you're saying. I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So. Another another book that I have right here that alludes to that idea here too. This is called Political Persuasion and Attitude Change. And look at how thick this book is. You know, this book has got a, a lot of graphs in it. You know, and they use the graphs to figure out how they're changing people's attitudes, believe it or not. But this book here says too, it says the the people that the most highly educated people are more likely to watch the news media. Okay, and again, it goes back to that War of the Worlds show where they found out that people have an inherent trust in the news. You know, people just think the news is telling them the truth. Um, so that's that's what we're dealing with today. So, you know, I'm very concerned that people aren't paying attention to any of this stuff. You know, people are wrapped up in this Republican versus Democrat, Trump versus Biden. And to me, the whole fear then relief principle um, makes a lot of sense because it's almost like they're laughing at us, Tim, because you know, and I know, you know, and even some of Trump's biggest supporters, they'll admit it too. The Clintons and Donald Trump have a history, you know, sure. and Hillary Clinton wrote her college thesis on Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals. And you know that I cite Alinsky all the time, Tim. You know, and he even says something about this here. He says, any revolutionary change must be preceded by a passive, affirmative, non-challenging attitude towards change among the mass of our people. They must feel so frustrated, so defeated, so lost and futureless in the prevailing system that they are willing to let go of the past and chance the future. So we had eight years of Barack Obama pushing, you know, this, this socialist mindset on the American people. You know, and and then we had the threat of a Hillary Clinton presidency, and here comes Donald Trump, 
I think at that point, Mickey Mouse could have ran for the president and and won, and uh, people would have wouldn't have questioned anything that he that he would have done because they were so relieved that Hillary Clinton didn't win. You know, to me that makes perfect sense, and and I'm not just throwing this out there. I'm reading to you this stuff that these scientists have written. You know, this is let me let me play devil's advocate for just a a minute here. Um, You know, this is this is very much what we had when we had with uh, Geobert Griffin when he was on the show about communism. He went and read what they wrote. And then everybody thought, well, man, how do you know all this? He goes, I read what they wrote. That was then that's what you do. That's what you do. This is why I recommend people read your stuff. Because, yeah, yeah, some of it's a little tedious because you, you have to be technical on some things. That's fine. Just wade through that because ultimately you're showing how we're being, how we can easily be manipulated uh, yeah. if we're not paying attention. And I remember a guy, a friend of mine who was in the military, he would say, I'd get up and read the newspaper with my kids. And I said, okay, now what do you think they're trying to either hide or show you in this piece? And he had been around the world. He had read newspapers around the world. And he was very good at picking out, this is what they're trying to do. This is what they're. This is real. This isn't real. Uh, he was very good at picking out those kinds of things. But let me let me play devil's advocate for you for a second. Let's say somebody come up and say, <clears throat> "Well, David, is there anything that, like the Scott, the the owner of Red State Talk Radio here?" He asked me because I was very critical of Trump. Is there anything that you like about Trump? Is there anything that he's done good? And I said, "Yeah, there's a couple of things." But the first thing that came off, if the numbers can be believed, and I don't see any reason they can't was he was taking out a lot of pedophile rings. His administration was. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. When people look at it, they would say, isn't that better? I mean, this gets to the lesser of two. Isn't that better than what Biden's doing? Look at what he does. He sniffs children's hair. He gropes other men's wives. He's uh, obviously involved in this cabal and, and stuff like this. Isn't that better for us? What else? Do, what other choice do we have? What would you, how do you respond to somebody like that to help them understand, hey, quit looking at that and look at what they're doing to you through that? How how would you come across with that? Well, a a couple things I would say. First of all, everything is propaganda. Okay. So if they're showing you on the media that somebody has taken out all these, these pedophile rings, well, who has he taken out? Really? I mean, how do you know that that's even real? You know, I mean, seriously, how do you know that that's real? If they're showing it to you on the news, it's because they want you to believe it, because they want you to have the perception. So that would be my first response. My, hey, hang on. The, the, what I was referring to is what we actually have, I guess, that's on record at the DOJ, at the justice.gov. That's, that's what yeah. I was referring to. Okay, but the second, the second thing that I would say is when it comes to the, the national agenda, like, like I posted a video on Facebook the other day of uh, John, what was his name? John Birch or from the John Birch yeah. Society or something. Yeah. And, and he's talking about, you know, the agenda. And he said, the, the first thing he said is, you know, spend the country into oblivion and, and waste, waste the money as wastefully as possible, as possible. Right. And, and so then you take that and then you go to, um, the quote that I had in the last article I sent you, um, I'm going to pull that up real quick. And, you know, you're familiar with Carol Quigley. Yep. Um, hope and tragedy. Right. right. Tragedy and hope. So Thank you. I, I tracked down that actual quote, you know, in the book. It's on page 1035, 1035. And it, he's, he's, he's referring to... When he says that quote, he's referring to the to the leftist belief of the way that the government should function. He says, the argument that the two parties should represent opposed ideals and policies, one perhaps of the right and the other on the left, and then in block quotes it says, to the Eastern establishment, is a foolish idea acceptable only to the doctrinaire and academic thinkers. Instead, and again in blocks, he says, they believe that the two parties should be so identical that so that they can control the elections without leading to any profound, extensive shifts in policy. Okay, so what that tells me is that we're living in a system where we're all familiar with the idea that the Republicans and Democrats they fight on certain issues, but look at how they get together on certain other issues and drive oh, yeah. the agenda forward. And one of those main agendas is spending 
you know, if you, in this article I went through, and, and, and since Ronald Reagan, every president has increased the, the, the debt by more than a trillion dollars every term, you know. And so we had Obama, he spent, what, $8.7 trillion? And in two terms. Debt. Yeah, and that was in two terms. And then Trump followed him up by spending, what, almost $9 trillion in one term. One term. Right, Exactly. And then how much is Biden spending and how much is the next president going to spend? So what that tells me is that, okay, so you can have a Republican president, for example, who's doing some good things here and some good things there. But how much of those things really affects the national agenda when they're also working together with the other side to, you know, bankrupt us? You know what I'm saying? Because ultimately, everybody knows, everybody knows that if, the, it's going to be the debt that that brings this country down. You know what I mean? So that would be my response to that. You know, to me, it's like I don't ex I don't accept a two point seven trillion dollar spending bill from anybody. And, you know, and this whole narrative that like a lot of people believe, well, the the economy was doing so good under Trump that that the, the economic growth you know offset the debt. Really. So immediately after Obama bankrupted, bankrupted us with $8.7 trillion in spending, as soon as Trump got into office, the economy was doing so great that it didn't hurt us for him to spend the trillions that he spent. That doesn't make any sense. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, but let's, 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 even in that, let's, let's point to something. We're, we don't have any money. <clears throat> we haven't had money for nearly 100 years. Okay. That's right. People go exactly. back to 1933. You'll see where the Congress rewrote the structure, the the banking structure, and all of that, and we started doing this paper deal. We, we, it was, everything was IOUs. It was well, actually, it was it was actually you could cash it for gold and silver. So there was at least something that backed it. That was constitutional money that backed the paper. Now you've got a piece of paper that don't have anything backing it, and <clears throat> so even the economics has been dumbed down. Um, I, I had um, somebody came to the house here and I was explaining to them, you know, the idea of quantitative easing or printing money. And they thought it was a good thing. And I said, well, but if you print more of something, if there's more of it available, it loses value. It's kind of like if you find, you know, when I went to eBay years ago and <clears throat> I had all these little, you remember the little Star Wars, they're action figures. They're not dolls, guys. If, if you're a guy, it's an action figure. I had some. <clears throat> so, I, I went on eBay when it first came out. And I was amazed that you could get all this money for all these these little things. So we, we started to sell them off. I didn't have any use for them. If you if you don't, it, but but when you come in there, it starts off great. But if you start getting a lot of people at show, hey, I got it. There's a bunch of them for sale here. Now the price starts being fought over and it starts going down. Well, the same thing happens in economics. If you've provided a, if you provided more than what's there that what you actually have backing it, you're devaluing that dollar. The spending, every one of these spending bills, everybody has to understand, they have to borrow that money. They don't have it. So every time they put forth a budget, guess what? That is debt money. It's already got interest tagged to it. And David, my understanding is at this point, we're on the brink of just declaring another bankruptcy because we can't even pay the interest on the debt that we have. Well, we're on the brink of them redoing the entire banking structure again, yeah. just like they did in the 1930s. You know, people are going to wake up one day and realize that their savings account isn't worth anything and that everything has been tra um, transferred into a digital economy. You know, and I'm not an economist, but some of the stuff that I've been listening to on that is pretty frightening. I guess they'll be able to turn turn off the money, on, turn it on and off at their own will. Um, but that's a whole other issue. Yeah, can let me let me see if we can tie something together where we can show people how they're working together. Wednesdays we have Lynn on. It's about quote unquote education indoctrination usually, and uh, this is a place where Republicans and Democrats get behind it and they can easily march their agenda forward. Why? Because they're appealing to the children, everybody's children, and yeah. as they dumb the society down, say on economics, political things mind manipulation, all this other kind of stuff, the people are easier to control. Would you say this is an agenda? Where, if there's anybody who really opposes it, who would they be uh, who's really speaking out on that and actually opposing this 
education agenda, which is a violation of the Ninth and the Tenth Amendments, as far as I'm concerned, in the Constitution. Nobody's opposing it. You know, the I have a document saved on my phone, and I'm sure Lynn's probably discussed it with you because she's she does pretty good with all the education stuff, and and it's a guideline for for how you know to to introduce all this these sexual topics that they're they're teaching to our children in schools, you know, and this is coming from the Department of Education. So you can't tell me that that our Republican congressmen, for example, don't know about it. You know, they know about it. They know what's going on and they're doing nothing to stop it. You know, um, some somebody should you would think would have some type of power to, to get in there and, and, and put a stop to it. They just don't, you know, I don't know. Um, I do know that critical theory, you know, came over from Germany in after world war two, um, you know, found a home at Columbia university and, and it's, it's the critical theory paradigm that they've introduced into the schools that have led to all of this stuff. Um, Can I ask you something fact, about that? Do you yeah, think CRT is specifically introduced to take minorities and push them up, as Deuteronomy tells us that God says, you know, he's going to make the the foreigner the head and you the tail if you're disobedient to me? Or do you think it's or do you think it's a combination maybe of where they're going in and it's just more division? Or is it is it both? Critical critical race theory is about the most convoluted, you know, subject I've ever read on. You know, I wrote a book on it not too long ago. I would say that critical race theory is more so a reverse psychology operation, teaching the minorities, you know, justifying to them that they have to look at themselves as an underclass and that they have to um, believe that they're not as capable as as the white people so in so they can draw their benefits so they can be kept in a sub in in, in a place where they're going to continue voting for democrats they're going to continue insisting on the welfare state they're going to continue pushing for reparations they're going to continue doing all this stuff that's useful to the left does that make sense yeah, but, but but again, we, we kind of go back to they're going to continue voting for Democrats. They're continuing to vote for Republicans are doing it, too. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of the question that I that I have. It, it sounds to me like whatever they're using this for, the Republicans are on the side that's the reactionary side. And the, the yeah. knee jerk. Well, I don't even think it's a knee jerk reaction. I think it's just a natural reaction is to say, this is silly. What are we doing here? Aren't we Americans? No, we're hyphenated Americans. We're defined by the stars on our bellies. Like I played the Sneeches, and yes, I know you guys want me to play the Sneeches again. I'm not playing it again. Uh, but okay. that, that that's the point, is that it's division, and it's also usurpation of the yeah, people. Well, it the is, country. Tim, but, but the thing that people don't get is that they have your attention focused. Like, like, let's look at critical race theory in elementary school, okay? Look, fifth graders are not being taught to use the the model. That's what critical race theory is. It's a research model, Tim, okay? They're, they're not being taught to use that model and apply it to social social situations and law and policy and all that. They're, you know, the critical race theories themselves, they break down the difference between what's being taught in elementary school and what critical race theory really is. They even call the race-based lessons that are being taught in elementary school do gooder attempts by white liberals <laughs> to, wow. to teach school. You know, the, the real critical race theorists are diehard Marxists, and the work that they're doing is being done up in the higher institutions of our law schools, our, our social policy institutions, and all of that. And, you know, you can go to the school board meetings. Hey, that's great. These people are showing up at the school board meetings, and, and they're pushing some of these people out, and they're putting new people in. But but they're not looking at what critical race theory really is. And that was the whole point of the book I, I wrote. That's why I called it a critical look at critical race theory, because their agenda is to eradicate. I'm sure you've heard the term whiteness, right? 
And yep. what critical race theory does is it it's, it's it's a research model that can be applied to to looking at social policy, looking at law, and that and that, and they're always going to be able to twist and turn it to make everything fit their agenda with critical race theory. You know what I mean? And that that's just all I can say about it. You know, I, I've cited I cited about 150 different journals written by diehard Marxists on critical race theory in that book. Um, and and I get it. You know, I, I, somebody told me they said nobody wants to read that stuff, and 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 I get it. You know, but if you don't, you you're fighting a battle that you don't understand. You're you're fighting a battle that. Banning critical race theory in elementary school is not going to make one bit of difference when when they call it exactly what they call it, a, a, a do-gooder attempt by white liberals to teach race-based lessons in school. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. By the way, uh, nobody is actually that color. Go ahead. Right. Go ahead. Hold right. your phone up. Your, you get by your TV screen. You're not that color. By the way, nobody is uh, that color either. So, so they're even deceiving us in how they're using the idea of the color of our skin. There, there's no doubt that their their father's right behind this, the devil himself. Uh, you know, Mister Wordsworth made a mention. And by the way, I can't seem to get you guys a comment over there on D Live. I don't know why. Uh, my thing, my chat keeps telling me to reload, but for whatever. Anyway, he made a comment earlier saying antagonist versus protagonist, and I forget the equals mark there. He'll probably tell me in a minute. But would you say that's what's going on? That, that that basically what I've said, I've tried to use the analogy of WWE, the wrestling stuff. You know, you've you know, they they make a big scene that they're mad at the other guy, and then eventually they bring it along and they're they're basically creating a soap opera. And they've got the, you know, the the good guy and the bad guy, and then all of a sudden a third guy comes in, and so then you know the bad guy gets his behind whooped. And then all of a sudden he, by the good guy, and all of a sudden they become friends, kind of like what happens on the schoolyard with the bully. Uh, and then they have to fight the bad guy. And then, you know, you have all the twisting and turning. And we see that all the time. We're seeing it with somebody like, um, what's the, what's the chick's name out of Hawaii? Tulsi Gabbard. You know, I, I thought a lot of her stuff that she was pointing out on foreign policy was right on. But man, mm -hmm. constitutionally, domestic stuff, really bad. Now she's left the Democrat Party. She didn't leave her mindset and ideology. She didn't leave that. She's bringing it with her over to where? Republicans, right? She's going over right. on that side. And everybody, right. and, and it's like when you had the walkout, the walkaway or whatever it was, these Democrats, they didn't leave their ideology, people. They moved over into your midst. And this is how we're, I think this is how we're seeing those things. But would you say the antagonist, protagonist kind of thing that that is that is exactly what's going on and how they're manipulating us or trying to manipulate some of us yeah because so it's like with getting people to accept things that they wouldn't normally accept right so if we if we take Tulsi Gabbard and she all of a sudden becomes a Republican and she's nailing all of this stuff with the social policy issues and all this and that but yet she brings with her just this one little element that maybe Republicans would otherwise oppose. You know, she's not very pro-gun. She pretends to be, but she's not. And, you know, to me, yeah, that's sure. second amendment, like the, the number one. And she's a veteran, too. That's what it's like. What are you thinking? Right. But because she's so pro so many other things and, and made people agree with her on so many points, she can push one little you know, like maybe her one little anti-gun proposal, if she should push one, might be so minuscule compared to that, that it would be accepted. Just like with Donald Trump, man, look, look, look at his, like you said at the beginning, his bump stock ban, people yawned at it. And they never even looked. How many times was I called a liberal hack or a milksop patriot Same. for writing an article that described what the ATF was able to do under Trump. They redefined the term machine gun under the, what, the 1960-something Gun Control Act yep. so that they could ban the bump stock. And because, and it goes back to that fear then relief principle, because Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton and the threat that Hillary Clinton posed 
was so much bigger in the minds of the American public. The American people didn't even look at this. They didn't care, you know, and, and now what is the ATF doing now? They just came out yesterday with a whole new redefinition of their, you know, 80% lowers. Yep. They're, they're now all considered firearms, yeah. you know, and that's ridiculous. And they're, and they're going to do it illegally ex post right. facto, which the Constitution says you can't do. And what is the ATF doing legislating anyway, because that's what they're doing. And they did this with the guy down there, um, crossbreed, cross, uh, crossbreed triggers. They're yeah. trying to shut out his, his, his trigger after they approved the doggone thing. It's not a, that's not a machine gun. And by the way, just to throw this in, machine guns shouldn't be illegal. They're no. arms. They should, we should, right. I, I mean, I just, I'm amazed, David, at the people who buy the propaganda about assault weapons or machine guns. It's just incredible to me. Well, Tim, everything is everything. You, you know, pick yep. up the book Propaganda, you know, by Edward Bernays. Everything is propaganda, especially when you consider, like you mentioned marketing a little while ago, right? Well, back at that time, it, it was persuasion, propaganda, and marketing. They all came together under the same scientific, um, under the same academic area of study. You know what I mean? And that's what propaganda is it is marketing and and persuasion is you know figuring out how to frame the message here's an interesting thing for you to consider tim you know going kind of back to the elaboration likelihood model thing there's a theory called moral foundations theory you know and under this theory they found you know by doing studies they found that conservative republicans are far more likely to shift their attitudes to the left on certain left-wing issues if framed properly than what liberals are to the to, to the right. Okay. And the reason for that, you know, I sat around and I thought about this and I thought about this. And the reason for that is is because we have we have morals. That's why it's called moral foundations theory. You know, so they, they take our, they figure out what you believe. Then they figure out how to frame that message in a way that gets you to respond to it. I'm not making this up. That's what they say. That's what they say that they do, you know. Um, and, and as long as they're doing that, you can't believe anything that you see in the news. My advice to people is to turn off the news, turn off the TV, pick up a science journal. And read it, you know. That's my or advice. your Bible. Pick up your Bible. Yeah. You know, pick up your Bible. I, here's the thing: I used to tell my kids that I said the world's going to come at you in ninety five thousand different directions. When you when we used to go through the uh, the supermarket, um, you know, checkout and stuff, my girls would go up there and turn around all the magazine covers of the you know of the of the women, you know, half dressed and this that and the other. And they would stand in front of my my sons uh, to do that. They understood there was a there was a problem there, and they took took action to it. And I told people, I said, "Forget DC, that's gone. It's corrupt. It needs to be dissolved, or we need to secede, or we need, you pull the teeth out of it, pull the heart out of the beast, and you win the day." Um, what would you say? Let's spend these last five minutes that we've got together. What would you say? The information that people have just gotten from you here. Or if they go read some of these books, or they read some of the things that you write at defenseofournation.com, what would you say is their best hope of securing their liberty? Would you say, one, and I'm just going to toss out some things. You can, you can have your own thing. Would you say, one, they need to learn to govern themselves and govern their families? And then, two, deal with the things that they can actually deal with, not only just in their home, but they can have a voice with in the community they live in. What would you say are some of the practical things they can do to fight against this mind control that's out there well a couple things um i always look when i'm looking for sources to cite i always check to see if it's repeated in more than one area you know so uh, in the book the naked communist the guy the guy cleon skousen says if if people would study the problem we may you know, preserve freedom for all mankind. In Rape of the Mind, Juice Miru says that people can resist political conditioning 
if they understand the nature of propaganda, right? So the biggest problem first has to be identified. And that problem is, is that people don't understand this. You know, some people do, but most people don't. And, and do most people even want to understand it? That's the second problem. They probably don't, you know. Um, so I, I would think that the more the more that people can stop paying attention to the media and, and, and get to the point where they understand that they are deliberately framing different messages to fit particular audiences and, and read and study, study, study this stuff, study the history of communism, study um, what B.F. Skinner wrote in Beyond Freedom and Dignity. Study the B.F. Skinner's book, The Science of Human Behavior, where he says that developing a science of human behavior requires that you eliminate the whole idea that, that God can exist or that man can have a will of his own. Because if you conclude that as a variable, you, you lose control. You know, and that's what the science of behavior is based on, the idea that we're animals, Darwinism, you know. So when, when people understand that, then we might have a chance. But if, if we don't, then things are just going to keep, we're going to keep staying in the same cycle. People are going to keep falling for propaganda. We're, you know, my prediction, Tim, is that the next president that comes around is probably going to be a Republican, and he might do something like, you know, just like the small little push for gun control, but because we're so happy that Biden's gun control didn't pass, you know, he'll probably get it through, and that'll just be another incremental step down the road, and that, that's my prediction what's going to happen. Yeah, I see a lot of that. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if they did a replay of Trump and Biden in 2024. I know Trump is really pushing for that, but we, you know, we showed on the on the air yesterday this long list, hundreds of people who are running for the White House. That nobody has a clue they're running. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to the manipulation. The media doesn't tell you. There are hundreds of people you could choose from. Some of them might, I, I'm, I'm going to say the majority of them are probably bad. They're, they're tied with that two-party mindset stuff anyway. But there might be a couple of them in the mix who actually might be some decent people. They might actually have some good character. I don't know. But, uh, but this is how that manipulation takes place. Uh, and so I, I, I just, I want people to understand, I don't see, and I've said this all along, I don't see Trump supporters as necessarily my enemy at this point. Maybe they will be in the future. I don't know. But there's a difference. There's supporters and there's worshipers. The worshipers can see nothing wrong. The supporters, some of those can see, okay, this is unconstitutional and they'll admit it. Uh, but mm -hmm. I support him because of what you talked about. We got a bigger threat out here we got to deal with and this, that, and the other. Well, that's it's still kind of stupid. If you don't really trust someone, do you want them on the battlefield with you, like running behind you to kind of give you cover and stuff? Or are you, you worried they're going to shoot you in the back? I think that's what you're pointing out here. Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't look at Trump supporters as being my enemy either. I, I, I think some of them are probably some of the most patriotic people there are, except that, that, you know, you, you throw the stuff out there at them and then their response it falls right in line with all of this stuff. You know, there's something called effort justification. You know, this 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 conversation could go on for a lot longer discussing things like effort justification, which explains why people respond to the way they they do when when their actions and their motivations are questioned. Yeah, um, David, by the way, can we hold you over just a couple of minutes? Is that okay or do you gotta be somewhere? Uh, I got, yeah, I can do about another 10. Okay. All right. Let's do that. Cause I got one question I want to ask you. Would you tell people where they can find out more about you and your website? Yeah. My website is defenseofournation.com. And of course, you know, I give you an article once a week, every Sunday. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, it's not a very exciting website, but everything, <laughs> everything that I write about is cited. There's links to all the, to the journals that I get my information from. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. And I, I encourage people to go there because what you're doing is you're appealing to the mind and thinking rather than appealing to the flesh. And hey, it looks great and it feels great and everything else. Guys, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. We're going to carry this over for just a couple of minutes. I got one question I want to ask David and uh, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And we'll see you in the morning bright and early. Lord willing, 6 a.m. See ya. 
All right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. I didn't mean to cut you off, but just because of the time there. Do you want to finish your thought, and then I want to ask you a question here. Um, oh. You know, I've been told by a lot of, um, by a few publishers, like I was writing for, um, what was it? Man, the Liberty Loft, the Liberty Loft. And that guy would have... Um, one of those, it takes one minute to read this article prompts underneath each article, right? And he came, in mine were getting less attention to everybody. My articles used to take about 10 minutes to read, you know? And, and I, and I try really hard to try to think of a way to, to, to make this, this information simpler to get across. But you, you just can't understand it unless you, you unless you take the time to go read it. For yourself, and and I think, in a lot of ways, Tim, I think, just the nature of our media anymore, people want the clicks, people want the likes, people want the ad revenue, and that's all understandable. But if if that's always going to be the driving motivation instead of really trying to seek out information that's going to be helpful in in saving our nation, oh my lights are starting to flicker. Um, then we're not we're not going to get anywhere. Does are you in the sense? cold there? No, it's just I, I got to get that light. Okay. Prepared. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that, that 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 kind of leads to what I want to ask here, um, because it sounds to me like we, we've got a we've got a big problem. That's right. Yeah. Go ahead. We've got a big problem here, and one of the things that happens, David, is we're dealing with um, several fronts that we're being attacked on. And I would say probably the most serious one, and yet the one that brings the biggest yawn from people, is the issue of education. If we're not teaching our children how to think about something, not just, hey, you need to know these dates and times and blah, blah, it's just cramming garbage into their head that they know they don't know practically what to do with it. If that's all we're doing, we're not teaching them how to think, we're teaching them what to think. And right. so... Do you think that the people who are in large measure pushing this, whether they're through an unconstitutional agency, a police force, uh, your local politician, your state politician, your federal politician, do you think a lot of those, there's obviously some that know what they're doing when they do it, but do you think there's a lot of them, as the Bible says, they've been deceived and they are deceiving others? Do you think that's the the large measure of people and what we're trying to do is trying to you know, by the grace of God, remove that deception so that they see clearly what they're engaged in? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, these people, like 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 school boards, for example, I'm of the opinion that, you know, fighting them on many of these issues is the wrong route because they're just, they're just taking marching orders, you know. They themselves probably don't even know really what's going on. And that, that would explain why they um you have these moms that are showing up to these school board meetings with these books from the library and and then these people are shocked and they tell them that they can't read from these books because it's going to offend the children you know it's not appropriate for the children well those books are coming right out of the schools do these people not know this my argument would, pro would probably be that they may not you know they're, they're just following marching orders you know and so therefore they're they're uh Fighting that battle there at that level is not effective. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Well, listen, what I want to do is I want to keep you over because I know you got places to be and people to see and babies to kiss and all that other stuff. But let, I'm going to give you the final word here. If you wanted to leave people with a thought and you wanted to persuade them of what you're saying and why they should, it, maybe they're a Trump supporter. They're, they're, they're Trump 2024, or maybe they're, maybe we got some people listening who actually are Biden supporters. I don't know. Uh, but they would, they would say, David, I can't see myself doing it. It's just giving my vote to it. You've heard the excuses and everything else. What would be a final word of exhortation to say, Hey, listen, stop, think about this, step back from where you're at. Don't let it be tied to your emotions. We're not here to attack you. We're here to try to show you what's going on. What would be a final word of exhortation you'd give to somebody like that? I would, my biggest thing has always been 
trying to get people to understand what they do. So you read my post a little while ago about the um, the Trump study that they did with the welfare proposal. Yep. Uh, here it is right here from one of the last articles I wrote a couple weeks ago. It was in the American Political Science Review. And um, I'm reading my writing here. Um, for example, a study in the American Political Science Review used the elaboration likelihood model to gauge people's reactions to a minimum wage proposal at the beginning of Donald Trump's presidency. This study was conducted to gauge party loyalty to Trump, and as such, the researchers admitted that to test their hypothesis, they needed to view reactions from both conservative and liberal perspectives, meaning that Trump's endorsements of the policy was manipulated to reflect either a liberal or a conservative opinion. That's what they do. And when they figure out what the majority opinion is, then they they continue working on framing their message to get people to accept it. And if you think that they didn't know this, the, the results of this information, when they had Trump sitting right next to Dianne Feinstein talking about red flag laws and bump stock bans and telling the Republicans that they're too afraid of the NRA, you know, that is the nature of propaganda and that we are all susceptible to it. That is their belief. You know, so if you understand this, then you can question things more. It's my opinion. Yeah. Well, and I think the information you give here, David, it goes beyond just the politics. Um, it's in everything. It's how they're selling us whatever shirt we're going to buy or the jeans we're going to buy or the new car we're going to buy. They, they've learned how to do it. They used to have commercials back when I was a kid that actually when the commercial came on, they showed you what the product did and how it, they had testimonials and all this stuff. Now it's about just, you know, feel good music and, and some interesting video that goes on there. It isn't about the product at all. The product's kind of thrown in like, almost subliminally if you if you will it's kind of thrown in but it's thrown in among all these things that's going to make you happy you're going to have good times uh, you know everything's going to be perfect it's the exact opposite of the real world to tell you the truth so they're they're drawing you into sort of a virtual reality in the commercial so this is this isn't doesn't just apply to politics and i would say it applies to other things too it isn't just in sales uh they're moving it in a lot of different ways uh, to manipulate the mind even through what we're supposed to believe, what the creators re revealed to us in the word of God. They will do those things to try to manipulate. This is why you see all this stuff that comes out where people are literally teaching heresies. I mean, what the Bible calls heresies, not what I would call them, or even what the church, the real church has defined as that. I have an interesting so thing to say. On that yeah, go ahead. Um, whether people will be inclined to believe this or not is it's up to them but there's a group out there called the docent group um, d-o-c-e-n-t i don't know if you've heard of them um, they exist to write sermons for preachers across the country and their their marketing campaign is hey you're too busy doing this you're too busy doing that let us take the reins for you and write your sermons and blah 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 they were actually exposed for plagiarism, but when they were exposed for plagiarism, they came to find out that many of these people in this institution were diehard Marxists interpreting scripture through a Marxist lens. And that's the stuff that whatever preachers were hiring this group were reading to their congregations. Wow. Well, that goes back to G. Edward Griffin, too, uh, in the fact that he said the communists had targeted the pulpits. I'd ask him specifically. He said, oh, yeah, they've been very clear that they would write to target the pulpits, get their own people in there, and then they water down the gospel that saves men from their sin, and they give them this feel-good thing of you can tack Jesus on. Uh, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Oh, you know, I, I had to stop, you know, Lindsey Sterling. I love her music. Uh, my my daughter really turned me on. To, I, I love her music. But she started talking about, oh, you know, I I, I needed somebody to love me. And, you know, and it's like, wait a minute. Th this is not that. God has demonstrated his love. How? By being just and justifier of the ungodly. So what he did, what he did was he sent his own son to die. 
a terrible, horrible death in the place of those who deserved it, those of us who believe in him. And so um, that's what's come in. And then it's watered them down politically where they will not have, they will not engage the culture because, oh, that's just temporary. We don't need to do any of that. We got, you know, our pie in the sky thing, which we do. We, you know, the Bible says that Jesus went to prepare a place for us, right? Uh, so I, I'm not denying that. But he also gave the illustration of the guy, the guy who gave the talents, and he went away on a long journey, and then he was going to come back. and And the idea was that we're to occupy till he comes. That that means we're we got to be salt and light. That's what we're called to be. We can't hide our light under the bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, right? <laughs> that was the old song that we used to learn. We, we don't hide that. We don't take the salt and take away the saltiness, because if we do, what's it good for? To be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So we've got to be who we're supposed to be, and the only way we're going to be that is if, one, we have been born again, like Jesus said, and we've been given of his spirit, because otherwise we can do nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. Nothing. So with that said, David, thank you so much for coming on, uh, staying a little bit late uh, with us. And uh, if people want to check you out, they can go to defenseofournation.com, defenseofournation.com. And again, you know, David doesn't try to make it pretty and everything. He's just trying to give you information. He wants you to focus on that and really think, which is sort of unheard of today um, from a lot of people that I know. They they want to make everything flashy and stuff. And I, you know, I like nice aesthetics and stuff like that, but he just, he gives you the facts, ma'am, <laughs> you know, dumps that out there so that you can decide for yourself. So check him out, defenseofournation.com. We'll have this in the archive, all the books that were mentioned there too, for any of you guys who didn't get the link or pick that up um, in the the live chat, we'll have it in the archive. You'll be able to pick those up at sonsoflibertymedia.com. And we'll have David's latest cognitive dissonance in American voters. That will also be linked in the archive. Bradley, be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. David, hang on. I'll say goodbye to you off air. And then we'll be back with you in the morning with what Alex Newman says is the smartest man on the earth. <laughs> we'll be talking about some of those things uh, then. Lord willing, see you.